Well, we're glad you're here today. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, you are something else. <laughs> Not quite sure what that is, but there's something else. Aren't you glad that he cares about us, that he looks at us? There was a song that they used to sing that said, he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. And I'm so glad that he's done that, aren't you? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Judges, the 16th chapter, and I'll tell you the verse in just a second. I, I spoke in March about an awakening that was happening, and we've seen that take place. But this week, as I've been meditating on God and praying, the Lord began to show me that some people are a little harder to wake up than others. How many, of you, how many of you are a light sleeper? I'm a light sleeper. It doesn't take a lot to wake me up. How many of you are heavy sleepers? Be honest now. Just throw it up there. You don't have to be ashamed. My, my grandson, my grandson, my son, my son-in-law, I'll get it here in a minute. My son-in-law is probably one of the heaviest sleepers I'd ever met, especially when he first came into the family. He's not as bad now as he was then. I remember him laying on our couch, and he was asleep, and I went over to him. I said, Adam, you need to get up. I said, Adam. Adam. I'm telling you, I finally had to grab hold of him and start shaking him. I said, man, wake up. And uh, uh, uh. And I'm thinking, how can you sleep that sound? But we're all made differently, right? So then I began to understand something. I began to speak to my spirit that some people have already woke up. That then this awakening that's happening in the world, that's sweeping across the world, some people have already been wakened. But there are others that are still sleeping, so God's saying, so I've got to shake a little harder. Now, I want you to remember what I said a couple of weeks ago. I said that we're going to experience a, a revival like we've never seen, but it'll also be accompanied by chaos like we've never known. And so what this is, is it's God shaking things. It's not meant to destroy us. It's meant to wake us up. So look at your neighbor and say, are you awake yet? Now, here's the deal. If, if you're awake, when you're awake, you're able to deal with things with a clear head, right? But if you're sleeping, then once you wake up, there's still that fog that you're in. And so it's a lot harder for you to get, you, you can kind of be caught unaware. You know, years ago when I was uh, working Second shift, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd get in. A lot of times I'd get in bed maybe, you know, 1, 30, 2 o'clock in the morning. And I remember somebody beating on my door like it's 7 a.m. And I'm thinking, you know, and you said, well, you should have already been up. Well, maybe I should have, but I wasn't. And, I, and, and so I, I, I was caught in a stupor. And so I jumped up, and I went running to the door. And when I opened the door up, the man looked at me, and he goes, and I thought, man, what is your problem, you know? And he, and he asked me, they were hooking a cable up, and he was asking me if I wanted cable. And I said, no, I don't want cable. I wanted sleep is what I wanted. I said, no. And so I, I walked, you know, away from the door, and I thought, man, what was the deal with him? Why did he give me that look? And as I walked back toward the bedroom, I stopped. There was a mirror there on the wall, and I stopped. And, man, my hair looked like Phyllis Diller. You know, it was, uh, and those of you that don't know who that is, Google it, okay? Man, my hair was just all over the place, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't. You know, so he got shocked, and I got shocked because I hadn't been awake long enough to prepare myself. The sooner we wake up, the more prepared we are for revival. Everybody say for revival. Now, hear me, we've been experiencing revival since March of last year. We baptized more last year than we had any year since I've been here, and that's during a pandemic. 
you've got to understand that we are just on the precip of revival, that we're just stepping into it, that we see new people coming in here every week. And if you're new today, we welcome you, and we're so glad you're with us. And we love you and care about you and want you to know that. What I'm saying is that God has something ready that he's trying to get us prepared for. Let me say it like this. God's getting us ready for what he's already got ready for us. Would you say that with me? God's getting me ready. Let's try it again all together now, class. Okay, here we go. God's getting me ready for what he already has ready for me. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise for that. So today, you know, you, you finally wake up when you get enough shaking, right? So everybody say this with me. Enough is enough. How many of you have ever had enough of something? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, it may be, it may be something, you know, like when you Thanksgiving dinner, you sit down and you're so excited and you're so looking forward and you're so hungry and, oh, that looks good, you know, and you start grabbing stuff. I, I, I might not, I'm going to tell it. It's probably going to get me in trouble. I'm going to always have the Thanksgiving dinner. Bless her heart, man, my, my brother brought something called stuffed bologna. God is my witness. I'd never heard of it, never saw it. I don't ever care to see it again. It was, I tried it. I tried it. Now, some people, everybody say everybody's got different tastes. So if you like bologna, there's nothing wrong with it. I like bologna sandwich. Bologna, piece of cheese, let it set for about three hours and warm. Go to get it. That's the way I used to eat it at school. You know, it set in my lunch bag, and so I, I kind of like it like that. You don't have to. I'm just telling you. So anyway, you sit down, and there's something good in front of you that you really like, and you, oh, no, no. Mm. Oh, that's good dressing and gravy and cranberry. Mm. Mm. Then as that continues, all of a sudden it's. (laughs) Enough is enough. And then you get up and you do what? You go look for a couch to collapse on. So there, there are different things that we can get enough of, but it's all right if you're filling up with something good. Now, let me share this with you up front. I can never get enough of God. Amen. Amen. Although <laughs> there was a time in my life where I, I felt like, hey, God, <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally prayed this prayer. I said, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take because, man, I'm telling you, the power of God hit me laid me out on the floor. I kept trying to get up, kept going back down. I thought, and I I prayed that prayer. I said, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take. I'm saying that to kind of preface for you that there's a whole lot more of God than we're experiencing. How many of you believe that? If you believe that, hold your hands up. So this is what I'm asking you. I want you to ask yourself a question. How much of God do I want? No, you couldn't handle all of him. Now, so here's the thing. What I want, I want everything that God has prepared for me. <laughs> now, he, he may have prepared something different for you than he did for me, and I'm not trying to tap in to, you know, what he's got reserved for you. I'm just saying, if you can have it, so can I. So I want everything that God has for me. Amen? So... But there's also times that we, we can get enough of something else. Like, we were doing a mission trip, and we had a, a man with us, and he was a, he's a wonderful brother, and I'm not going to mention his name, but he's a wonderful brother. But I'm telling you, we drove 3,000 miles hearing <coughs> about every five to seven minutes. That'll do something to you, folks. I, I, I had the luxury of leading the group, so I switched vehicles. 
<laughs> I'm going to go drive over here for a while, man. I had people coming out of that vehicle. <laughs> you got to do something. You got to do something. So we, we decided it'd be better to try and rotate him around a little bit and spread the joy around. But it had been like it was enough, you know. It's just, oh, man, I can't take any more of this. It's enough. And there's, there have been times that you've, how many of you have had your children doing something and you told them to stop? And being the sweethearts that they are, they stopped immediately. Until all of a sudden, you, it was like, I've had enough. I got a whipping one time for something my brothers and sisters were doing. And I kept telling them, I said, stop, man, stop. You're going to get us in trouble. Stop. Dad was in bed. I thought, don't get him up, man. He gets up. He ain't going to be happy. I said, so stop. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. That's enough. That's enough. Dad heard my voice. He had the same thing going through his mind. I've had enough. So he got up and let me have some. And finally, the kid, the, you know, the other ones that weren't involved in it started saying, there, thank God there were five of us, so I had a witness. And, and so some of the others started saying, Dad, Rick was trying to stop it. He wasn't doing anything. He was just trying to stop it. So he said, oh, son, I'm sorry. I said, <laughs> I wasn't letting him off the hook. Man, I thought this may save me a whipping somewhere down the road where I got one coming. I'm just, you know, but I'm saying that you, you can only take so much and then you've had enough. Go with me to Judges, the 16th chapter and the 23rd verse. This is from the NLT. The Philistine rulers held a great festival offering sacrifices. Now watch this. Offering sacrifice. Everybody say there's a party going on. They're offering sacrifices and praising their God, Dagon. They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. You don't have to raise your hand on this. I just want you to think about it. How many of you have ever had a point in your life where you failed God? I'll, I'll put my hand up because I, I've, I've been there. Well, I can't believe you're saying that, Pastor. I'm telling you up front, I don't walk on water. But there's a God that calls me to him on the water. And the only time that I've experienced a, that, that feeling of walking on water, and don't, miss, don't go out of here and say, oh, our pastor walks on water. The, the only time I've ever experienced that feeling of power and victory is when I had hold of his hand and I was walking with him. And so Samson knew what kind of walk that was. I want you, if you will, for a moment to not look at Samson like a figure out of a, a story long ago or even even if you won't look at him as a historical figure. But for a moment, if you would use your imagination to place yourself in Samson's shoes and try and comprehend what it would feel like to be able to slap a lion around like a rag doll. That he didn't walk in that. Do you understand? That, that wasn't on him. He, he didn't have that all the time. The scripture said that he would go out and he would shake himself. And the spirit of the Lord would come on him. So it's not like that he's walking around every day going, Hey, man, I'm going to go pump up. He's, he, he has a relationship with God that, is, that he's connecting with that's, you know, that apprehends him in a way that causes him to literally become supernatural. And I do need to tell you that the God I serve is not natural. He's a supernatural God. He's a powerful God. He, he spoke the world into existence. So don't, you know, just understand that he can do some stuff with you if you let him. And so this is going on, and he, he has experienced 
taking a jawbone and taking out a thousand men. He has literally lifted up the gates, huge pillars that hold the gates up to a city, got a hold of them, pulled them up out of the ground and carried them up on top of a hill and set them down. He experienced the power of God in a way that we do when the Holy Spirit comes on us and then all of a sudden, I don't, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but if you've ever experienced the Spirit of God coming on you and anointing you to do something and all of a sudden, man, you feel like Superman. You, don't, you know, you're thinking, look, I need to get in a phone booth someplace, get these glasses off and rip this shirt open because there's a big S on my chest that says saved by the blood of the Lamb. And it's, it's like that power. He, he walked in that, but he saw it in a physical manifestation. All that ended when he got his focus wrong. You ever been driving a car and get focused on something other than driving? It's, it's sad to me what the stats are on how many people are killed every year from texting and driving because they, they just glance down for a moment, just for a second, and they lose focus of where they are, and then it's over. It's so sad. And it's sad when we allow the devil to distract us and get our focus off of God for a moment, and it can be so devastating. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Some of us have experienced that, haven't we? That it's so devastating. That's what Samson experienced. You remember he would always go out and he would shake himself, and, and God was just always there for him. But he, he got to flirting, got to hanging out in the wrong place too long. And you can't hang out in the wrong place too long without it having an impact on you. And so he's there, and, and Delilah has, you know, badgered him. And literally one translation says, man, by her constant nagging him and nagging him, he finally told her the secret of his strength. And then it says she began to afflict him. Wow. Sometimes King James can say it like nobody else can. He began to afflict him. And they cut his hair off. And she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They're going to capture you. And the Bible said that she, he went out as he did at other times. He was so used to connecting with God, so used to feeling the Spirit of God and connecting with that. And then he went out, and he's not there. He shakes himself, but he can't feel what he felt before because he's not in the place to feel it. God help us. Look, folks, I, I remember a time in my life where I was, I, I was on the evangelistic field. I went three months preaching, ministering to people, watching the power of God touch people, and yet inside me I felt empty, and I, it was like I would touch someone, they would feel it, I wouldn't feel anything. And I began to think, God, what is going on? What's happening to me? God, I need you. And I began to cry out to him because sometimes if we're not careful, we can take the presence of God and the Spirit of God for granted and forget how much we need him. And I remember getting to the place where enough was enough, and I was crying. I said, God, you've got to touch me. You've got to. And then all of a sudden, man, I felt the presence of God recapture my heart. And, and I, I was so excited. And I began to pray. I thought, God, what was this about? And he said, I, and this is what I heard in my spirit. I heard him telling me, son, I want you to understand that your walk isn't always going to be about what you feel. Sometimes you have to learn how to walk it out by faith. Even when you can't feel me, I'm still there. Even when it doesn't seem like I'm around, I'm still there, so get a hold of faith and refuse to let go. Samson found himself now in a prison, grinding, his hair gone, his power seemingly vanished. But there's a scripture that says, albeit 
even while he was in the prison, his hair began to grow. In other words, God was saying, son, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. And no matter where you're at in your life right now, you need to know that God has not forgotten you, that he knows where you're at, that he's still got you in sight, and he's still got you in mind. Then they hauled him out of that prison. They brought him up into a temple, Dagon's temple, to make fun of him to have sport with him. As they took him up there and they began to just mock him and, and curse him, Samson doesn't really respond to that. See, this is the first time I've read the Bible, I don't know how many times through, several different translations, but this week I saw something I never saw before. I saw the fact that when they brought Samson into the temple, what was really going on in the temple, I'd already, I had always thought in my mind it was about Samson, but then I realized this was really about God. This is what Samson heard when he went into the temple. I just read it to you. They were praising Dagon, their God for delivering their enemy into their hand. In other words, they were lifting Dagon up above Samson's God. Our God's more powerful than your God. They're worshiping him. And when Samson heard that, enough was enough. And he asked that young boy that was leading him around, he said, son, let me lean against the pillar of this that holds this building up so I can rest. And he leaned up against those pillars. And when he did, he'd had all he could take. I can see Samson in my mind saying, it's look, it's one thing for you to attack me and take me out. And I know that I lost my focus on God, but you're not going to stand by here and let you try and mock my God. I want you to see and I want the world to know uh, that my God is powerful, uh, that he's able, uh, and he's more than enough. And so in that moment, uh, Samson didn't care about his life anymore. It was all about the glory of God. Uh, and he said, God, uh, let me die with these Philistines. And he pushed against those pillars uh, and brought that house down. I want you to understand something. I don't know how much time I get here on this earth, uh, but I am not going to barter for a few more days at the cost of the glory of God. I'm not going to try and extend my life by bringing shame to him. I am. Got my mind made up. I've got my head on the thank you. I got my foot on the rock, my hand on his word, my heart knit to his heart. And I'm asking him to show me the way. Everybody say, I just need you to show me God. I just need you to show me. Samson's not the first one that had had enough. There's a young boy in Scripture that became a young warrior, had a promise on his life. How many of you feel like you got a promise on your life? Wave your hand. Every one of your hands ought to be up right now. Well, why do you say? Because I promise you, you got a promise. How can you know that? I've been in the book. You've got a promise on your life. Hey, getting to heaven is a pretty good promise, isn't it? <laughs> I got a promise on my life. I've got you got a promise on your life. Oh, don't get excited about going to heaven. I mean, you'd be pretty excited about it if you found out you was headed to hell, wouldn't you? Oh! Don't want to go there. We need to get excited about the fact that we're going to heaven. <laughs> Come on, here's the truth. Here's the truth. And you know it's the truth. Some of us get more excited about our vacation than we get about going to heaven. Whew. I'm going to go to the Rocky Mountains someday. I've been there, loved it. And I'm telling you, the Rockies are real close to heaven. Because you're up high. And when you see those mountains, it feels like, I'm telling you, I feel like I'm standing in the presence of God. It just does something to me. But we need to let the world know 
that we're excited about going to heaven, right? So turn around and look at somebody. Go ahead. This is for practice. This is just a practice drill. Look at your neighbor. What? This is a practice drill. And look at your neighbor and say this. I just want you to know I'm going to heaven. <laughs> You're all killing me up here. I saw some of you look around and go, I'm just, I want you to know, on my way. Whoopee. <laughs> Got to get excited about it. Everybody say, get excited. Get excited. Tell everybody. So David has a promise on his life, but man, he goes through some stuff. Anybody in here been through some stuff? I mean, all of a sudden, David finds himself running from the king he protected. Guy's trying to kill him, man. He ends up having to leave his own homeland for fear of his life, and he, he winds up in the land of the Philistines, a place, that, a place of the enemy. And he's there for some time. He's there for over a year, and and. As he's there, he, you know, he's, he's still going out and he's raiding Philistine cities, but he's killing everybody so nobody can tell the king that he's doing it. So he's still on focus on taking out the enemy, but he's just not in the place that God promised him he would be. How many of you have been there? You know what I'm talking about? You're still doing what you know to do for God, but you know that you're not in a place that God really wants you, that God's got something better for you. And so David goes through all this, and then in the process of going through this, the time comes that King Achish, because that's where he had went, he'd, he'd gone to the land of Gath, King Achish is there, and King Achish tells him, said, David, I'm going to go battle with the Philistines. And he said, well, I'll go with you. So they show up on the battlefield with all the Philistines. And the Philistines look and see David. They look at King Achish and said, man, are you out of your mind? And he said, what? He said, he said, look, man, he's been with me for some time now. You can trust him. He said, yeah, I, well, uh, this rascal is the one they sang songs about. They said Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. He's not going to go to battle with us because the best way he can redeem himself with King Saul is to take my head off and I'm having none of it. So they made Achish send David home. David and his men travel back home and when they get there, they find out that the entire city of Ziklag is burned with fire. And here's what happens. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were lifted him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever had something happen to you that broke you? That all of a sudden, man, it was like a dam broke, and you are just beside yourself, pouring your heart out to God. And they said they wept until they had exhausted themselves, until they had no more power to weep. That happened to me when my father passed away. I was 15 years old. I cried myself to sleep every night for some weeks and then I realized well not at the moment but let me just share this truth that I discovered that if you allow the enemy to keep you crying you'll never experience victory again if you allow the grief to take you into captivity You'll never be able to shake it off. You've got to get over it. Everybody say over it. Not in the sense, I didn't get over it like I forgot who my dad was. I just got over it because I was crying and praying one night and the Lord spoke to me and said, you asked me to save your father. He said, I could have given him to you for another 15 years and you lost him forever. He said, now you have him forever. And I'm telling you, when I heard that, I dried my eyes, I got up and I was ready to go again because I knew that the best was still in front of me and not behind me. And we've got to understand 
understand that, that no matter where you're at in your walk, no matter where you're at in your journey, the devil will try and cause you to believe that your best days are behind you. You've got nothing to look forward to. I'm here today to tell you that you haven't experienced your best days yet. You don't, you say, well, man, I remember when I was young and I could jump. I remember that too, but I can still jump a little bit. <laughs> I'm not letting the devil get my spring. And if he takes my spring, I still got my song and I'm not letting him have it because I understand that God's got something for me. And every once in a while, you got to say enough is enough. So they cried till they didn't have any more power to weep. And then they dried their eyes long enough to say, you know what? We all just kill you, David, because you're the one that caused all this mess. Do you ever have anybody mad at you? Do you ever have 600 people mad at you at the same time with stones in their hand and swords on their hips saying, I think I'll kill you? Six, I had a gang run me down one time, but I, there weren't no 600 of them. There might have been eight or 10 of them, but there wasn't 600 of them. David does the most unusual thing. So what do you do, Pastor? Did he, did he take off running? Did he jump on a horse and get out of town? No, listen to what he did. It says, and David was greatly distressed. Everybody say he had a right to be. <laughs> he was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because of all the people, because all the people were grieved, every man for his son and for his daughters. There's a reason for that grief. There's a reason for that anger. But they've got their anger focused on the wrong place. How many of you know that it's okay to get angry? The Bible says anger, but sin not. How many of you, when you've ever gotten angry, it helped you do something? My brother, <laughs> we were digging our basement out when we were kids. You know, we had, the, you know, we had a house, had a, uh, there was a crawl space, if you understand what I'm saying. It's on pillars. And so dad decided we were going to pour a basement. So every Saturday morning, dad would get us up, man, at the crack of dawn. We'd be going down in that crawl space with picks and shovels and digging down. You know, it started out, you had to get in and go like this to crawl around down there. By the time we were done, we were standing up and there was still room up over our head. We dug that whole basement out, picks and shovels by hand, putting it in wheelbarrows and taking it out. Well, Paul, my brother Paul was kind of a homebody. He, he, Paul would prefer to vacuum the floor than dig a dirt. I mean, than dig a ditch. And to tell you the truth, it's a lot easier to vacuum the floor than it was to dig that. But dad had him down there, you know, because Paul was pretty big boy and he had him down there and my brother Daryl's down there you know and Paul's trying to get the wheelbarrow out you know and, and he's struggling with it and all this and Daryl looked at Paul and he said oh come on big boy put some of that put some of that he, he told me he said put some of that fat behind it because Paul was a little heavy and man I'm telling you it was like a freight train got turned on. All of a sudden, Paul grabbed that wheelbarrow. He nearly knocked Daryl over. Whoa, man, come flying up out of there. All he needed to do was get a little mad. Everybody say, it's okay. Just focus it in the right direction. We're preaching a revival, and this guy is out in the middle of nowhere. He raises hogs. He's wringing hogs' nose. Not with a head gate. He's got a, a slip knot with wire that he's sliding over these pig snouts, and he's pulling them back, and he's taking rings. I, how many of you know what I'm talking about? He's taking rings, and he's putting them in these noses of these big old sows, these big old hogs. And, man, they squeal like a freight train every time. And he looks at me, and he said, you want to do one? I didn't get a chance to say anything. Debbie spoke for me. Oh, yeah, he wants to. <laughs> I'm looking at her like, are you taking out life insurance on me or something? And so, I mean, now I'm, I'm in a pickle, right? So I'm, I'm thinking, thanks a lot, baby. And I, I crawl over there. He hands me the slip knot, and I, I'm, I'm trying to get it over that pig's nose, and I, I get it on that sow's nose. Man, this thing's huge, you know. And I get it over it, and I'm, I'm trying to get that ring to it, and, and, you know, that ring through it. You know, it's like a brass staple. 
You know, and you put it through man and it goes through that nose and I'm trying to get it and that hog's jostling me around. And all of a sudden that hog pinned me up in a corner, stepped on my feet and man just started tromping on me and made me mad. And when he made me mad, I got a hold of that or that wire that had slipped knot that I had in his nose. I yanked back on that thing. I took those, put it in his nose and clamped down on it. And he squealed. And that pastor said, it helps if you get a little angry. <laughs> I'm telling you, every once in a while, you got to, hey, throw that picture up for me, would you? Every once in a while, you need to have a Popeye attack. You need to say, I've stood all I can stand, and I can't stand no more, and you need to go for the spinach. Everybody say his spirit. Do you understand that he said you'll receive, the, after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, he said you'll receive power? Do you know what that word power means? It's for the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. He's saying, I'm going to power pack you. I'm going to give you something that's going to help you when you're in a time of stress, when you're in a time of struggle. If you'll allow me to fill you with my spirit, you're going to be like dynamite. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, he's lit my fuse. So all of a sudden, David, watch this. And David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He's got 600 men breathing down his neck, and instead of taking off, he stands up. Do you know what the word encouraged means there? It means to be strong, strengthen, courageous. I want you to visualize this. David's setting 600 men around him, yelling at him, saying, we ought to kill you. You, you. you need to die. And all of a sudden, David has had enough. And he remembers a prophet speaking over him and telling him he's supposed to be the king of Israel. And he said, you know what? I've had enough running. I've had enough being pushed around and jostled around. And when that giant killer stood up, those men saw that look in his eye. They'd seen a hundred times before when his hand was fixed to a sword and he was ready to go to battle. And 600 men started backing up and saying, it's okay, Dave, we're with you. What Whatever you want to do and he said we're going to go out and we're going to get back everything the enemy took from us we're bringing there comes a time in our life where we've got to say enough is enough and stand up and say here I am God use me Years ago when we made our first mission trip going to Mexico, the, one of the drivers fell asleep. It was right after he ate lunch. Fell asleep, hit a guardrail, man, ripped that van apart. Our daughter was in that van, Debbie's mom, her sisters. And, and, it was, and I, I came up to it, and I saw what's going on. Her sister, Becky, is laid in a seat with blood coming out of her ear. Her eyes were rolled back in her head. They were saying there was a person there that said she's not going to make an ambulance ride. Her mother's leg was broken. Her other sister's hip was broken, and I'm standing there, and man, I'm just, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm trembling, and I feel this, this trying to overwhelm me, and I hear God tell me, you can fall apart here, or you can believe me for a miracle, and you need a miracle, and I said, God, I, I got everybody together, I said, we're going to pray, and we started praying, Becky came to, they dis we got to the hospital, they dismissed her like at maybe 15, 30 minutes after we got there, they let her go, and then, but on the way to the hospital, I'm looking out across the field, and all this is still going on in my mind, all this turmoil, all this fear, all this anxiety, and a tear started dripping down my cheek, and I looked out, and I said, God, that's enough. I'm asking you to make the devil pay for what he just tried to do here. And I'm asking you to use me to make him pay. Do you understand that if you, if, if, if I can get this to you today, that you are not weak, you are not a wimp, you are a child of God, a force to be reckoned with. If God be for you, who can be against you? That when God is inside of you, he said that you've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved us. It's enough.
Every once in a while, you've got to say, it's enough. Everybody say, it's enough. When it's enough, what do you do? You do something about it. Thank you. Everybody say, you do something about it. You begin to seek the face of God, and you respond to God. You act on what God is telling you. You don't lay back and play dead. You step forward and come alive. Say, Pastor, you always get these stories out of the Old Testament where everybody's so mean. You always focus over there where they're, you know, killing people and busting heads. And I thank you like that. Why don't you get in the New Testament where everybody loves each other? For all of those of you who would like me to take a journey into the New Testament, please follow me now. <laughs> the Apostle Paul and Barnabas are traveling around with a young man by the name of Mark. They are on a missionary journey. They have gone to, they've traveled the length of an island at Paphos, and they've come upon a Jewish sorcerer, a wizard. His name is Bar-Jesus. Everybody say, Son of Jesus. That's what that name meant, but he wasn't no son of God. That's <laughs> because you say you are, don't make you. You remember the old Zenith commercial? How many of you remember the old Zenith commercial? What did it say? The quality goes in before the name goes on. Years ago, I, was in Me or I, I had been in Mexico, and I bought me a Rolex watch. It was beautiful, man. Diamonds in it. I paid $20. sparkled. I wore that watch to a camp meeting in California. <laughs> I watched preachers there start talking about preachers with Rolex watches. <laughs> God is my witness it happened. I didn't say nothing, man. I went the whole week with that Rolex watch on. People, I knew everybody was talking about it. The last night of the camp, I got up and I said, how many of you have noticed my watch? Man, people started waving their hands. One guy jumped up and he said, is it real? Is it real? And I said, for those of you, and I did this with great dignity, by the way. I said, for those of you that haven't seen my watch, it says Rolex. I said, and I got this watch in Mexico for 20 bucks. <laughs> I said, you see, just because it says Rolex doesn't make it a Rolex. I said, it's not the name on it that makes it valuable. It's what's inside of it that makes it valuable. I said, just because you say you're a Christian, don't make you one. It's not the name that you tag yourself with. It's the goods you've got inside that make all the difference. Everybody say, I want some goods. I hate it when I go grocery shopping, buy a gallon, a carton, a carton, you know, of milk and get home and there's nothing in it. That can't happen. Somebody else shopping at the same grocery store. <laughs> it, so it, 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 it can happen where all of a sudden you get disappointed because what you're expecting isn't in there. It's not, how many of you ever bought a bag of chips and, man, you're so ready for it and you bite into one and it's as stale as it can be? Everybody say, I want the goods. So they're traveling around and this guy, this sorcerer is... You know, he, he's been deceiving everybody. There's a governor there by the name of Sergius Paulus, and he wants to find out about the Lord. And so they start, they, they get ready to talk to him. And this sorcerer, whose name is really Elimaeus, he starts trying to block them and keep them from telling them about God. How many of you know that there's always going to be someone that's trying to stop you from hearing the word of God? And so all of a sudden this is going on and Paul has had enough. Everybody say enough. Watch what he does. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the sorcerer in the eye. Then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud and enemy of all that is good. That's a preacher talking. 
That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? Watch this. Will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. <clears throat> Everybody say, enough. When you've had enough you act on it. When you've had enough, you respond to it. Years ago, there was a man by the name of Lester Summerall. He was preaching, I believe it was in the Philippines. And he came across this girl that was possessed. I mean, man, this girl, it was, it was demonic. Just a demon had a hold of her. And, and she was, they, had, they locked her up. She was just out of her mind. And he went to see her at the jail. And when he went in, he cast that demon out. How can you do that? Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He cast it out. That night he went home, laid, and went to bed, laid down, and all of a sudden he's laying in his bed, and his bed starts bouncing. And he's thinking, man, what's going on? And all of a sudden he, he, he gets up, he's, he's up in the bed, and the, the bed bounces. It was against the wall. The bed bounces out in the middle of the floor. And all of, he finally realized what was going on. That demon spirit that he had cast out was trying to intimidate him. And he got up in the middle of the bed and said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. And his bed stopped, stopped. He laid down. Now, this is his testimony. He laid down, started to go back to sleep. And he said, I was laying there and I was thinking. He said, I thought to myself, now, wait a minute. Before that demon came in here, my bed was against that wall. He moved it out in the middle of this room. He said, I jumped up in the middle of that bed and said, in the name of Jesus, get back in here. He said, his bed started bouncing again. He said, now, in the name of Jesus, you put it back where you found it. And there it went. We allow the devil to come into our lives, tear up Jack, destroy our families, and then let him waltz off. Uh-uh. Enough is enough. In the name of Jesus, you put it back where you found it. You're not going to destroy my family. You're not going to destroy my life. You're not going to destroy my ministry. You're not going to destroy my, my walk with God. Enough is enough. And the strong man is getting ready to stand up inside of me. Somebody shout yes. The God that you serve is bigger than the enemy that you face. Shout yes. I want to end with this. There's a girl, her name, let me get her name right. Her name was Angela. Angela was 11 years old. And she had a debilitating disease that affected her nervous system. It robbed Angela of her ability to walk along with several other motor skills. Doctors told her parents, we don't really believe Angela will ever be able to walk again. But if you ask the little girl, she was quick to tell you, I'm absolutely going to walk again. She didn't care what doctor said. She said, I'm going to walk again. They gave her all the therapies they knew to give her, and she worked hard at those therapies. And then they talked to her about something that they called imaging. They said, Angela, we want you to see yourself walking. We call it faith. Now, substance, or now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's, it's seeing it in your spirit before you hold it in your hand. And so Angela began to practice faith and I don't even know she was aware she was doing it. But she would lay in that bed and she would look at her legs and she would go, move, move. And she would see herself moving. 
One day she was laying on the bed and she was working extremely hard and concentrating. She was looking at her legs and she was saying, move, move, move. And something miraculous happened. The bed started moving. The whole bed started moving and shaking. Angela started screaming and saying, I did it. I did it. Look, look, everybody, I did it. Nobody else was looking because everybody else was running through the hospital because an earthquake had hit. But not as far as Angela was concerned. This is a true story. Angela knew that she made that bed move. Consequently, just a short time later, Angela found herself back in school, no wheelchair, no crutches, walking. <laughs> because when you exercise faith, something's got to give. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, enough is enough. Something's got to give. Would you stand with me right now? <laughs> so I want to invite you today to get mad enough to do something other than talk about it. Fall in love with God deep enough that you believe he can do what he said he would do. Exercise your faith strong enough that when it looks like nothing is happening, you still see it in your spirit and you praise him like it's already taken place. Nothing is impossible to those that believe. So I want to give you an opportunity today. If you're in this place, look, I thank God for you that are here today. This last year during a pandemic when everything was going bad, we, we saw God move in ways that I hadn't seen him move before. But you know what? I hate to admit this, but he woke me up. This is what I felt God was telling me. Be true to who you are and who I called you to be. Don't try and fit someone else's mold. I made you for a purpose. The way you are, I have a plan. And so I'd finally had enough. <laughs> and I thought, God, whatever happens, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. And then stuff started happening. <laughs> we saw souls being saved in a pandemic. We saw new people coming in. I saw you grow in ways that I hadn't seen for seven years prior. I saw you guys start exercising your gifts, letting God use you, stepping out into the community, climbing up on trailers, helping baptize people in horse troughs, reaching out and sharing with others about how good God was. I'm sorry, how good God is. <laughs> For those of us that have awakened, God's saying, okay, I'm getting you ready because you hadn't touched the tip of it yet. You've gotten a taste of it. And he said, taste and see the Lord is good, but the best is still yet to come. But for others of you that haven't quite got to that place yet, today is a wake up call. Turn, don't, don't shake anybody hard, but if you would, just, just take someone and just shake them a little bit. Go ahead, shake them a little bit. Just a little bit. Some, you act like you're scared to death to touch that person next to you like they're going to slap you. Shake them a little. Say, hey, it's time to wake up. God's got some good stuff for you. You know how the best way to wake me up is? Breakfast in bed. 
I was just, I don't know why I looked that way. But, what I'm saying is this, it's when all of a sudden, have you ever had that happen where all of a sudden you're laying in bed and you smell coffee? I can't believe I'm saying this stuff. It's everything I can't have right now. You, you, you smell coffee, you smell bacon, sizzling and, and eggs and buddy, ain't nobody got to shake me because I know that somebody has prepared something wonderful for me. Would you just take a big sniff right now? Can you smell it? God is cooking something up, folks. God has got something prepared for you. The best is still coming, and he's saying, come on out. So this is what I'm asking you to do. If you're in this place today and you're saying, Pastor, I want mine now. I want you to, first let me do this. If you're here and you haven't given your heart to God, you haven't said yes to him, don't make getting saved hard. He did all the hard work at Calvary. All you have to do now is accept him and say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. If you're ready to do that, would you come to the front right now very quickly? Well, while we're waiting here, those that are watching, I want to invite you to do the same thing, to take a moment and just stop where you're at and say, Lord, I invite you into my heart. I'm asking you to come in and touch me and rescue me, save me. Matter of fact, why don't you just stretch your hands where you're at? God can do it right where you are. Here I am, God. Save me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I, I reject my past. I, I cast it off. And I say yes to you. I believe. I believe in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a hand. Clap of praise in his house. So this is what I want to do. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I'm ready. I smell it. I know something's cooking. I know God's got something good for me. I wonder if, you, if you're able to, to move to the front. If you're not, just stretch your hands up where you're at. But I want you to agree with me right now. Come, those that, that If you're hungry, if you're hungry, go ahead and move out if you're able to. If you're able to, just move out. It's like, you know, I can tell you this. Debbie's got breakfast cooking for me. I'm going to have to get out of that bed to go eat it because she's not bringing it to the bed that's not that's not anything about her it's because she knows I'm not eating it in bed I'm not going to eat something that I enjoy in a position that I can't enjoy you ever try to eat anything in bed it's not going to work you you need to be in a position so you can eat it receive it and do something with it <laughs> stretch those hands to heaven with me right now you know God's been good to you hasn't he he's touched you in so many ways your health mm. I thank you father for what you're doing in him and for him I just declare your word over his life let him experience it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you love him, church? Come on, stretch your hands to heaven with me right now. All of us together. Are you ready? Father, here I am. I smell it cooking. God, I am waking up. I'm getting up out of this bed of rest. I'm getting myself prepared. I'm putting on my armor, God, and I'm headed to the table because I know that you have a feast waiting there for me. God, I am going to be a participator. I'm not just going to watch, but God, I'm going to act on it. I'm going to move on it. I ask you to use me now, God. I give you praise for it, and I shout it out, enough is enough. Have your way, God in Jesus' name. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this have house all today. authority, sin and sickness bow their knee. There is none like you. You are worthy. Yeah. Seated in the highest place, name above all other names. Jesus, you alone, you are worthy. If you're here today and you need prayer, I want you
want you to come right now. We're going to pray for you. Everybody else, just continue to love the Lord. If you got to go, remember, we got a business meeting at 2 o'clock. Be back for that. If you need prayer, come on up now. Come on up now, real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Sin and sickness bow their knees. There is none like you. you. 